0: International a minute.
1: I'll tell you about the day that I used to, that I quit Favor. Like when I first moved here, I was like in between jobs and wasn't getting enough hours. So I worked for Favor and this is in January, an unseasonably hot January. And like my second day delivering for Favor, this guy wanted me to deliver four ice cream floats from like sinful what? desserts. I know, ice cream floats. Like ice cream floats are a very time it's- sensitive item. Like they have to be the right temperature. So it's ice cream floats and warm from cookies like had to keep them separated like one in one arm one in the other and I had to go up to the fifth floor of this office downtown and it was just so fucking great because I made it all the way up to the fifth floor and their their I thought their elevator was broken so I had to walk up all these stairs with like these huge boxes of cold and hot things and by the time I got there the root beer floats were hot and the cookies were cold <sighs> And the guy was just So unsatisfied with me Like it
2: was This man is a career asshole Like he He uh- He's never known anything else in his life to be (laughs) The best part
1: about it was when I got up there, they were doing, because when you join Favor, like, to work for them, they do an orientation. So there was a group of kids, like, learning how to deliver Favor, like, taking an order together, and here I come, like, busting through the stairs, dripping in sweat (laughs) with, like, ice cream under my boobs, like, yeah, just a day at the job! (laughs) The ghost of
0: Favor future. Every single (laughs) time I open Favor, I scroll past that place in the drag that does those ice cream sandwiches nestled in between two cookies and i always think about it but i never do it because i never want to put somebody who's having to go pick up food in a timely way in the position of having to try to rush ice cream to my house <laughs> yeah. because i'm not a fucking psychopath yeah. <laughs> thank you what
2: if yeah what if favor just like rebranded and said we're really good at delivering food that is good lukewarm like, <laughs>
1: That's pretty accurate. Yeah, like cuz a
2: Chipotle burrito is good at just about any temperature. Like that's agree. you don't need that to be hot. You don't need it to be cold, you don't need it to be anything. It's just like mush in a wrap. <laughs> like <laughs> that's you're going to stuff mush. in your mouth.
1: I had a Chipotle salad today actually cuz I'm really taking this keto nonsense seriously. Yeah. I made cauliflower rice in my KitchenAid mixer. That sounds that's,
0: exhausting.
1: This is who I am now. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> this is keto chasm. Oh,
1: my God, I got it. I um, I hate it. I just, it's actively thinking yeah. about what you eat is really exhausting. And like, yeah, like just out of curiosity, I want to like make this an open question, by the way, guys, uh, I'm pretty sure Ethan stealthily started recording oh, as sure. he tends to do. Uh, welcome to another extra episode of extra salty. You're hearing my voice, jazz and Ellis,
0: and I'm Kai Krabs.
1: And we're joined in studio today by Nathan Ehrman.
2: Hello. how's it
1: going to <laughs> share his salty story with us. I have a curious, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. I want to ask you guys, this. What's the most self destructive thought you've had in the last 24 hours? Mm.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Just curious.
0: Hmm. <laughs> That's that. It's too deep. I feel like that has like such a potential to go down such a deep, dark rabbit hole.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, you know, we were on the topic of diets. I mean, and I'm I'm attempting to do some dieting. Um, and uh, I mean, I think about just completely annihilating my innards with some like Taco Bell every every minute of every like every day at this point, point. and it's um. And the thing is, too, is like, I'm not, I don't have a sensitive stomach. Like, I could go and eat some awful food right now, and it wouldn't make me feel bad immediately, but I would know that I'm like not doing the thing that I'm supposed to do with this, you know, dieting thing, so.
0: But that's not terribly self-destructive. That's pretty milk toast. That is. I th- I that feel feel we're is. all... I love eat. that expression, milk toast. by the way. I feel like <laughs> describing it as annihilating my innards with Taco Bell is like the filthiest way you can oh, describe it. Oh, I know.
1: I food. thought that was your way of saying that you had like irritable bowel syndrome, but you oh. still want to eat it. And oh, I was like, no. I feel that.
0: No, no.
2: Okay. I, I, I need to check my privilege. Yeah, <laughs>
1: dude,
2: I can eat. I could eat more Taco Bell than probably most. Um <sighs>
1: Are you, you're you not lactose, are you?
2: No, not at all.
1: So interesting fact, actually, 75% of African-American people become lactose intolerant by the time they're 35. And wow. it's like, it's really weird. There's like an actual genetic difference in the ability to process milk ethnically. And like white people are the least likely to suffer from like oh. lactose intolerance. And that's
2: why. that's why the alt-right did the whole
0: milk <laughs> thing. Because they're they
1: so stink. white, they can drink all that milk and just, I that's don't know. As a
0: footnote, we here at Extra Salty would like to remind you that None of us are neither geneticists nor doctors. <laughs>
1: this is true, but it's a study. I'll find, I will post this study on our Facebook page <laughs> so people know I'm not just making yes. this shit up.
0: I'm, I'm very lactose intolerant now. Like it's funny cause whenever I was young, I wasn't really. And my sister was like super lactose intolerant. They say you can grow in and out of it. And then mm. we kind of just like swapped and now my sister, it's not as bad. And for me, I'm just like crippled. So I eat ice cream like two times a year mm. and whenever I do like because of that like it's the most horrible feeling because my body like the way that I've described it before that it literally feels like my stomach is like crushing and like fluctuating yeah. and cramping. Everyone that I've described it to before has been like that sounds like a period and I'm like that is awful. I'm sorry that you go yeah. through that.
1: I need to put you on game then because I know the, <laughs> I know the best lactate free ice creams the best I'm telling you they uh, there's a place that uh, Ariel norman took me to sweet ritual that makes an olive oil chocolate ice cream it's a it has the aftertaste of a steak which isn't the worst aftertaste it's just odd to taste steak after ice cream but if you can mentally get yourself around the steak post ice cream i'm telling you we should have a lactate free fun day
0: but here's the thing (laughs) since i only eat it once every six months the times that i do eat it fucking decadent oh yeah
1: i would say scheduling how you abuse your body is pretty self-sabotage so that that might answer my question
0: actually i'm also i i also like tried to like really resolve this week to like actually be serious about quitting smoking so i'm like 36 (gasps) hours in and i'm just like i want milk and cigarettes like it's not
1: milk and cigarettes (laughs) is so crazy.
0: Not together,
2: but the two. I mean, may as well, you know? Just, like, mi- stirring a glass, an ice-cold glass of milk with a cigarette, you know?
1: The mental image of <laughs> yeah, the kind like of person stick. that wants that combo. I just imagine, like, Jabba the Hutt with a wife beater on. Like, I need milk and cigarettes <laughs> now. Yeah. That's my
2: fuel. Um, he giant puppet tongue just sort of floating <laughs> around out there. Like, perpetual dry mouth because it's nothing but tobacco and milk.
1: Oh, uh. So, my super, like, self-sabotaging thought that I literally had today. And by the way, for those of you, if this is the first time you ever listen, uh, we're all comics. We all dabble in stand up. And it's it's interesting. Like they call it the, what do they call it? The imposter syndrome where you never feel like you're okay. actually good and yeah. you challenge yourself. And it's it's great because it keeps us humble. It keeps us working hard. But you can sabotage yourself constantly thinking you're not enough. Mm-hmm. And I was literally thinking about when I first started and like, if I'm thinking with my logical brain, I'm like, yeah, I am better now than I was then because I've become better at performing and I've written better jokes. But then I just had the most sad, fleeting thought because I was trying on this dress and it fits me a lot tighter than it used to. And I was like what if I'm getting more laughs because I've gotten fatter Ooh. and the audience likes fat female comics? What if I'm not funnier? What if I'm just fatter and people think I'm funnier because I'm fatter? What if I lose weight and I stop being funny? What if I'm not actually funny? I'm just fat. Like I really had yeah. that like very, I was like, I should call someone for help. And I called my best friend Ari and she goes, bitch, I'm hanging up on you. And I <laughs> Was like, don't leave me. And she goes, I know your feelings are valid, but that's not a valid feeling. I'm hanging up yeah. on you. And I was like, I'm very grateful to have a friend to just be like, bitch, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you Unfortunately,
2: need it. We have a case study for this. Will Sasso from <laughs> Mad up. TV. You know, he lost all the weight, and everyone said Will Sasso's not fun anymore. He's still funny. He's a funny guy, you know, so you don't have to Who's Will Sasso? He was he was one of the original Mad TV cast Ooh. members. Um and he was kind of like your Chris Farley, like big man go boom type yeah. character and then he and then he did a gastric bypass lost a lot of weight and the first the opening sketch of the first season within will sasso was them telling him you have to get fat again to be funny and he does all this like comedic you know eating and whatnot but you know he was fine he still had a career he was in the three stooges film will sasso not that that was a blockbuster film. I, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm making you feel any better with Three Stooges' I don't think film. you I,
1: are. Like, you're literally describing the decline of his career. Because I'm like, I'm like, so... You know, no. okay. <laughs> uh,
2: don't look up the Will Sasso
0: case study. It, how <laughs> it is
1: Sasso makes, spelled? Because he's not coming up.
0: It, it, oh, boy. Uh, S-A-S-S-O. It makes me think... I remember him. It makes me think of this really great joke I saw Kath Barbadoro do at a show a couple of months ago. She said that... Uh, Being overweight and being in New York, but also wanting to do comedy made her realize that she either needs to lose weight or she needs to learn (laughs) how how to to fall down funny.
1: funny.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Shout out to Kath. That is a fucking hysterical joke. Kath Barbadora is so fucking funny. But I was like also like I was like very, uh, very clear delineation of how we put uh, overweight people in comedy in a very, very specific box.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah they really really do and it's just it's weird that it shouldn't be your whole thing but it's kind of like also you have to self-depreciate and talk about i don't know i've always been a kind of an awkward weight because i'm not huge but i am technically overweight Mm. like i was at the doctor today and i heard a man describe his weight and it was the same amount i weigh and i just got so offended that this man said he weighed the same amount i did i was like excuse you sir yeah we do weigh the same You're much taller than me. I'm not going to internalize this. I think it's just like bridal panic.
0: Sure, yeah. Yeah. You could take a page out of my book. Don't even own a scale. I haven't weighed myself in like six years.
1: I don't (laughs) own a scale either, but my little sister has one, and I got on one last week. And that's how I found out I weighed 20 pounds more than I thought I did, and that's Mm -hmm. what started the Cato panic, so (laughs) I...
2: The, ke- the keto panic. It's like a after-school special
0: <laughs> keto madness. Keto panic at the disco. Yeah, yeah <laughs> They just sing about, uh, I don't know, what is that diet? Fats and fish or whatever? I don't it's know. It's
1: fats and fish. Fa- basically, you completely eliminate carbs yes. so that your body can learn to burn off fat. Because if you have carbs, mm-hmm. your body uses carbs as energy mm-hmm. and then stores fat. But if you can completely eliminate carbs, you can start burning the fat. So...
0: I. Mm, that's okay.
1: The good thing is you can totally eat like peanut butter, and, like, all kinds of things that are actually fatty, as long as you avoid bread. But I mean avoid bread. Like, I've been, like, going to drive-thrus and just eating the meat out of things and then throwing the bread away. It's very wasteful. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have to be wasteful. This is not I'm doing.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm sorry.
1: That, uh, I feel like I've monopolized the silly part of the show. No. With well,
2: but a lot of, I, I've known plenty of people who have done keto before, and it's, I I think that's the, – Jasmine's the only person I've known who will – who's been like, I order things and throw away the bread. Because <laughs> usually most fast food places now will give you that, that yeah. bread-free option. But I like the idea – that's almost like you're – You're owning it. You're being so fierce about it where you're like, yeah, can you give me a sandwich and I'm going to
0: throw away this bread.
1: I didn't know I could ask for it without the bread. You're literally blowing my mind. Do I just say no bread?
0: You're spitting in the face of sandwich. But well, yeah, the Earl of Sandwich is rolling
2: in his (laughs) grave. He invented this so that he could play cards and eat at the same time. (laughs) But uh, yeah, well, some places. I'm not saying every place. Like, I, mean, I, I'm thinking now, like the delicious, like like Pete Terry's will do a lettuce wrap. You know, if you if you're looking for that, Shout I out doubt to Pete Arby's Terry. is just gonna give you like a handful of roast beef <laughs> yeah. wrapped in foil.
1: I think it has. I think uh, you have to order something that is served with lettuce. Cause like if yeah. Arby's hands you just, I feel like it's, Arby's is so gross. They would put it just, in your hand. They would put <laughs> it.
2: They would,
0: they would put it in your half full Mountain Dew. Yeah. on the way out the window. It's like that's wild. Which of these sandwiches do you guys make with gloves? And Arby's is like None of them <laughs>
1: They hand you the sandwich On a glove We
0: actually just a No glove policy here At Arby's yeah, like If
2: you want it in a glove Okay That's weird you, But We yeah. <laughs> want you to taste the prairie On all this food So So
1: fucking gross oh, I love God. that Only
2: we prepare it on the tops Of our thighs Through our blue jeans <laughs> yeah. oh.
1: Arby's You know it's amazing How I feel like They're just so Generally disrespected As a culture But there's gotta be Somebody who likes
0: Arby's Oh yeah, we, no, we have the biggest Arby's fan in the world Nick and Savarino Nick Savarino, and that's it
1: what why does he mm. what does he taste when he tastes Ar- I want to like now I want to like talk can right. we bring him on the show and just have him defend Arby's sure like,
0: I want to know oh man so we have been uh, that one that one is whenever extra salty is actually talking specifically about salt <laughs> high sodium content yeah, <laughs> yeah. extra sodium that's when we start talking
2: about that's when we do a cardiogram uh, on <laughs> Nick Savarino <laughs> Oh, poor
1: thing So that's what I'm sal- I guess I'm salty About dieting
2: Salty about you know. It's an easy thing To be salty about Cause it's not like The moment you change Your diet Your body Revolts in so many ways And you do become Self-destructive
1: That's where I'm at Right now I am yeah. at that point Where like Everything is just like Like the idea of dieting Is making me mad Cause I'm less like If no if, Like I don't know I'm angry that I have to do this But I don't have to Yeah And yeah. it's For the better But I just like I don't know I wish I didn't have to
0: Yeah luckily Uh like like I don't know I, I consider cigarettes part of my diet. I suck for lunch sometimes, but luckily, like all of the side effects of like quitting smoking, they're like high irritability, and I'm like, okay, status quo huh. Good to go. You <laughs> might gain weight
1: when you quit cigarettes, actually I, quit. <laughs> not to scare you out of it. I'm so excited for you quitting I'm mm-hmm. very excited I fucking hate cigarette smokers You're like the
2: only one in my life There's an emergency glass cool. case cool. Behind Kai that's, That says "break in case of emergency And it just has Cigarettes and milk in it And oh, he's eyeballing yeah. <laughs> it Really hard right now You guys can't see
1: Oh I wish we could call this episode Cigarettes and milk Because that's a disgusting combination
0: yeah. And I'm just I'm tickled by that Cigarettes and milk
1: So Nathan You're joining oh. us today To talk about Something in particular That you're still A little resentful Maybe a little angry about
2: yeah. I, well, um, thankfully, it's thankfully it's a low level anger that I never have to deal with again in my life, or maybe I will at some point. But I did. I lived in Japan for two years. That's so cool. Um, and. That is people's usual reaction And it was very cool Like I don't want to be uh, You know A giant jerk And be like uh, I, I hated everything about it Like It was a very fun experience I enjoyed it People say that's cool I'm like you, and, I, and I honestly advocate I think everyone on this earth Whether it's after you retire Whether it's You know Before you get started With your regular career Or just somewhere in between I think you should Absolutely pack up Everything in your life Or get rid of everything In your life And go live In a different country um, Because it's I think it's a great experiment in like uh, like poetic fun loneliness I say fun it's not fun like poetic, poetic loneliness poetic loneliness like you really need to go learn how to be alone um, which because uh, I, I, I grew up in like a suburb where you know everyone was very close to their family and um, and then and I remember even talking with people because I was doing this teaching program with people from all over the world and people who also had come from smaller communities and they were like, I've never known what it's like to really be this alone. Because when you live in a foreign country, especially in Japan where, you know, obviously if you're not Japanese, you stand out pretty, pretty starkly. And people will just kind of like not acknowledge you in a real way. and uh, and people were like I didn't know how to deal With being alone and I think that's such Like an essential skill To have in life I mean Not to say that you have To be alone all the time And, and maybe that's Kind of self-serving On my part I'm more of an introvert But that w- that's that would be My plug for it Which is not A very fun plug at all Instead maybe Just be like Go eat some sushi or, or I don't Yeah
1: but you learned You learned a new skill And you learned how to Be comfortable by yourself Which is pretty rare yeah. A lot of people Are not comfortable you go to movies By yourself? Oh I'm, I love it I am terrified To go to a movie By myself I just feel like Everyone will be like oh, she got stood
2: up. And they're like, mm.
1: so self-absorbed that I think people are making up reasons
2: why I'm by myself when they're there to see a fucking movie. Yeah. Like. I mean, the first thing I do when I enter any space is I look for someone to judge. That's what <laughs> I do just so I yeah. can blow out someone's candle and make make mine shine a little bit brighter. Oh. You um, say that like it's weird. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, here's the thing is like, I, I, and I, I wonder if I wonder if my my uh, strength is waning as I get older because I used to do everything alone. I'm um, not everything, but I used to, I would be willing to do anything alone. I still like going mm-hmm. to the movies by myself because I have this weird anxiety where I can't I can't be alone with somebody else, um, and that is to say that if someone is sitting next to me during a movie, all I can think about is is. Are they are they okay? Like, are they enjoying themselves? Am are, am I breathing weird? Like, I get really self conscious, being especially in such a, qui- in a quiet room with somebody. I don't know. Um, so that's my neurosis. Uh, huh. Equal but, parts considerate and insecure. Oh yeah. Well, and it's and 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 a big part of my anxiety is that. I think I'm I I worry all the time that I'm being selfish but I'm but I'm so worried about myself that I'm really am self-absorbed because all I'm thinking about is am I doing enough for this person but then all I'm thinking about is me I don't know and it's like and then it just spirals downward and then I just have to like lay down and have some cigarettes and milk or Aww.
0: I don't know um, see, see everyone judges the cigarettes and milk but yeah, it seems to be the heals. panacea yeah yeah <laughs> So so, I lived in Japan for a
2: couple of years, and definitely, um, you know, people, people say, oh, how was it? And, you know, they're, they're, all, they're all the good things. <laughs> you know, you go, the, you go over there, you're in a new place. It's very, it's incredibly fascinating. Um, I was treated very well. I was treated very humanely, you know, in the sense of I was paid, and I was paid, plenty to live and I was able to travel and I met some great people. So they're all good things um, but then you know something has to be said for the fact that you know Japan is a very um, homogeneous culture like they they are like Japan is you know 98% Japanese people. Um, and being, you know, a 6'2", 200-pound uh, white dude with blonde hair and blue eyes, like, you stand out like a sore thumb. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, and- your
1: dating profile you just listed up. I was like... <laughs> sure, yeah. Um,
2: being a, I mean, you, you know, just want walks on the beach. And- <laughs> being a starkly average. Uh, I, uh, so, so and, 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 and it's not even just like, because there's like all different levels to sort of, you know, Japanese... Um, I mean, I don't want to say intolerance, or just like Japanese, I don't just say cultural ignorance, or kind of, um, you know, where, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say discrimination, because at no point was I ever, like, targeted... At no point was I ever disadvantaged necessarily, but it's more like this was where I learned the term microaggression because there are all these tiny little microaggressive things that are happening. Whether it is a stare, I mean, if it's from a kid, I'm like, great, this is an educational opportunity. I I did go over there speaking Japanese, and I was, and so there was you know moments where I could communicate with somebody and be like, hey. You get to see this person who doesn't look like you, but who speaks your language, and you get to recognize, hopefully, you know, and especially while you're young and impressionable, that the world is full of all different kinds of people, and you don't have to make assumptions about anybody. Hooray! Da da da. But sometimes you just get stared at, whatever, um, you know, and then and and people will make assumptions about you, and sometimes those assumptions are true. I I had plenty of people that I worked and worked over there with. Um, people who had been there longer than me who spoke almost no Japanese they'd walk into stores and be pointing at things and whatever and to them it was like that, that was par for the course they were like this is fine I could do this forever um but all I, all I wanted to do was be normal. That yeah. was like, I just wanted to blend in, go to the grocery store that mm. I went to every week where, you know, the ladies there, like, I taught their children English, you know, in elementary school. And I would be like, hey, how's it going? Da, da, da. And yet it would always be kind of the same thing every week of like whoa like it was like i was a spectacle (laughs) um and that to me felt very microaggressive because it's like well i just want to be a normal person like you don't have to congratulate me for saying hello to you because that's one word right you don't have to tell me that my japanese is so good when it's like i just said hello to you like i could have looked that up in a dictionary just now um so there was a lot of that and, and and sometimes we were able to break the ice and actually have real conversations about it and and maybe it was genuine maybe it wasn't but anyway, my story is uh, at one point I was riding my bicycle home from work um because I didn't have a car there so I was just like bicycle and bus and all and all the public transportation and whatnot. So I'm riding my bicycle home from work and uh And this and and Japan has a bunch of like treacherous blind corner type roads and everyone, you know, the right of way is like who has the most balls at any given moment. So (laughs) it's just like, I mean, it's it's rough. Um, And so I'm riding my bike and so I'm I'm pedaling down the street and a guy pulls out in front of me in his car because there's a blind corner, whatever. So um, pulls out to make a turn in front of me. I attempt to brake, I attempt to swerve, I do all these things and I just run like cartoon into the side of his car and just like bounce off of it onto Ow. the ground. And fortunately like I wasn't too hurt, like I ended up like I was a little bruised up, you know, and I was I was fine. Um and this was like he was in a tiny little like plastic kind of like uh like Fiat looking car. Mm-hmm. And so the side of his car was just, like, caved in, like... <laughs> oh, no! I mean, he had just, you know, like, uh, he had just had a foreign uh, uh, invader, you know, destroy his car. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and I, and like, I was like, oh, well... What? And, I, and, and I looked at him, I was like, well, what happens from here? And he's like, well, we have to call the police. Um, and, for, you know, first, I mean, he was, a, he was a very courteous guy. He was like, hey, are you okay? I kept saying yes, because I was just like, let's get this over with. I want to get home. Like... I and I, in my mind, I was like, I doubt there's anything for me to do here because, um, you know, I I was on a bicycle and I had right of way. You know, why why there should be nothing for me to do here, uh, and I don't want to press charges against you or anything like that. And then we have to stick around there. The police show up and uh, so there was and it's like a squadron, like five different police officers are there and they're all doing different things. Uh, and one of them, his only job is he has a he has like an he's like an eight and a half by 11, uh, notepad that's grid paper. And he has to draw the crime scene, <laughs> like an overhead map. And he's got a little dotted line that shows, that shows where I was going. And he's, and then he has the path of the car and the impact. They asked me how fast I was going on a bike. <laughs> and I was like, I'm on a bicycle. There's no speedometer on this bicycle. You, I, and I was like, uh, sort of fast. Um, and they were like, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll put that in the report. Um, <laughs> And it just and, and, and I was At this point I was I had been in Japan For like a year and a half So I was used Like, the, like Japanese culture Is very bureaucratic um, And it is very much like Tell us what the facts are We have to get all the facts And everything it has to be like You know Tidy on our paperwork And all that kind of stuff And At the end of the day And then they were like Well are you hurt? And one of the guys Pulls me aside And he goes You probably want to say That you're hurt um, Because That's going to make you The victim In our police report uh, and I was like, wh- and I was like, why does it matter? And he's like, well, because then you can press charges. And I was like, I don't want to press charges against this guy. This guy, is, you know, he's he's been fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes, okay. And so he sort of he walks off and. Um,
0: I kind of love that. Yeah. I Like, it reminds me of, like, this one time I was at an airport, and, like, someone was like, oh, no, you can get it this way and this way and this way, and then ended up, like, giving us, like, a bill that was, like, five bucks, and I was just like, you should be fired. Like, that's not, that's not, like, a chill employee thing oh. to do.
1: I have a feeling this is foreshadowing for some shitty shit.
0: Yeah. Does it get shitty? It gets a little, yeah, it gets a little, little,
2: mm-hmm. I mean you know fortunately uh so i'll i'll spoil the ending for everyone i did not end up in a japanese prison i'll say
1: that. <laughs> i knew that um although when more than two cop cars pull up that always makes me angry like, when i drive past two cop cars next to someone i'm like somebody's going to jail
2: yeah <laughs> um so so yeah he pulls me aside he says you should you should say you're hurt um and he and he's like he's like anything at all like does your arm hurt does your head hurt um, and I'm just like, nah. how weren't you hurt?
1: You hit a, ha- hit a car.
2: I, I mean, like I, I uh, I, I ended up having like a little bit of a bruise on my shoulder and my arm and whatnot. Um, but I was just like, I'm, I, I want to go home. That's all I wanted to do. And so we finally settle everything. And literally the police, you know, after, I mean, this probably took about two hours for them to do all this stuff. Damn. And then finally they, they pull me and, and this gentleman together and they say, well, um, no crime happened here today. Uh, you know, this this guy was going a little bit fast on his bicycle. You were pulling around this corner; it's a blind corner, obviously. Um, so, no charges are no charges are being pressed. Nobody's hurt. You two are civilians. Deal with it however you want. And then they left, and that was it. And I was like, so again, I look at this guy. And I'm like, what happens from here? And he's like, well, I'm going to go get an estimate from a shop mm-hmm. to fix my car. And then I'll send it to you. And I was like, uh, to pay? And he's like, no, we'll talk about that later. And I'm like. Mm, that's not a no. I'm like, what is going on here? And then he's like, don't worry about it. And, and you know, he's like telling me not to worry. He's kind of giving me like the, you know, everything's okay. And I'm just like all right. And I just sort of went, I just went, went, you know, went on my way. We exchanged information and then he sends, and then he, uh, he faxes me. They still, they love fax in Japan. When was this? So he had to fax this to the school that I was working at. This was in 2012. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, but he, so he faxes it to my school. And so one of the teachers comes up to me and is like, Hey, uh, Nathan, you've got, you got a fax. It's uh, from a body shop. It's for a bill for like $3,000. And, and, I, and then I told them the situation and they were like, damn, man, you should have said you were hurt. Shit. They were like, they were giving me the advice. They were like, yeah, you should have been, you should have been the victim because then he can't come at you for anything. And then I was like, well, what should I do? And they were like, go to the doctor right now. Tell them that you're hurt. Get a stamped note from the doctor and take that to the police station. So I go and I do this. I go to the doctor and I say, yes, I was involved in this accident. And he, and he gives me, and he does x-ray and everything. And he goes, okay, you have a bruise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so <laughs> that's not a clean bill of health. <laughs> exactly, sounds I like get, your heart.
2: I get the most official piece of paper from the doctor. Uh, that's that basically says bruise, and then has the stamp because uh, in Japan they don't they don't sign things. They everyone mm-hmm. has a stamp. Everyone has a little circular stamp that's like their signature. Mm-hmm. So it's got a stamp on it. Super official from the doctor, and it's like, yeah, just take that to the police station. They'll they'll change the report and all this stuff, um, and you should be fine. Uh, although at one point. He did uh he uh I it was the doctor who said this the doctor who literally asked me do you all ride bicycles differently in America <laughs> And I was like what? what what a dumb question like no <laughs> <laughs> it's it's low grade technology we all use it the same way I think
1: How great would that be if that was like a stereotype because in America we have our terrible stereotypes about like asian drivers they're like you know <laughs> American bike riders Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. they can't (laughs) they'd seem great if it was like an understood stereotype (laughs) I mean
0: to be fair there are a lot of times that I'm driving down the road here in Austin that you see people with like their hands not on the handlebars and we're like you get it you can balance but that's still Uh, not safe oh I hate that
2: yeah no I mean Austin uh, Austin has its own set like I mean if you're like stuck in traffic behind someone on like a penny farthing bicycle like a Victorian (laughs) bicycle
0: (laughs) with the enormous front tire and the tiny back too that's a tricycle. That's not a bicycle. I don't know. Right. Like no. a tiny
1: bicycler on their mustache. I never know what's going okay. on here.
0: So you've got your official piece so, of paper that says you have a boo-boo. So I, <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Official boo-boo I have my official boo-boo license. And I take that to the police station. And they were like, yeah, great. We'll change the report. You're the victim. And then I literally just, I just came out with it and said, well, this guy's coming at me with a bill. Mm-hmm. And they were like well, yeah, we can't do anything about that. Like, you are the victim now in the report. Um, But, like, if this guy wants to wave a bill at you, there's nothing we can do about it. This is, you know, we're police. We do crime. This is a civil matter. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Because you were the one, like, it wasn't this guy. But I was like, one of you, one of the police force, came to me and said, if I'm the victim, then I should be fine. And he was like, well, you know, that's kind of an oversimplification, whatever. And... And then so I call this guy up and I say, hey, um, I just want to let you know I've modified the report. I'm technically the victim. I'm hurt. And I also and then I just and and a friend of mine had given me the advice He said, just tell the guy you're not going to pay this. And so I said, hey, um, I'm hurt. I'm also not going to pay this thing that you sent me. And he said, well, um, I guess I'm just going to take you to court then and I was like and I and the, 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 I remember this language learning because I had looked up the phrase like lawsuit slash take to court and he used it exactly on the phone and I was like what a great you know use of the dictionary <laughs> yeah. but I was like I'm glad I know that because I wouldn't have known that always if prepared. I hadn't yeah prepared um <laughs> But uh, So And then So then I ended up getting like my Because I worked for the government I worked for the board of education So I got them involved And they And, and the, Throughout the whole thing I just felt like No one was using Any level of common sense And Everything 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 that we talked about was completely contextualized by the fact that I was foreign. Hmm. Um, like it, it very much felt like the law was not on my side in this whole thing. And then mm-hmm. basically he was like, well, well, here's what here's what can happen. You can go to small claims court um, because it's less than it's less than, you know, I think five thousand dollars. So You can go to small claims court. It's one day. You have to take sick leave to go do this, um, and then and and you present all the facts to a judge and then they make a decision right then and there. You can still lose. Um, you could still be you could be held hundred percent accountable, ninety percent accountable, whatever. Please and tell me
0: that you went to Japanese judge Judy. I
2: didn't I wish, yeah. <laughs> I wish there was. I wish there was just a judge with some tude in Japan. Um but eventually, finally, after like probably somewhere in the area of like 10, 10 to 12 hours of phone conversations, because mm-hmm. at this point I had my my people involved, my, my like board of education folks, and they, they had all these conversations. Everyone was writing stuff down and being so polite. And I was just like, this shouldn't be... And what ended up having to happen was I took uh, $600 of my money and put it in an envelope and we had to do, like, a very traditional, like, two-handed exchange. And he took it. And then we each, we took uh, two pieces of paper. And we took our our signature stamps. And we we stamped right on the half, right on where the two pieces of paper met. So there was, like, half of my signature on his piece of paper and half of it. It's on, kind of
1: adorable. Like, it, it sounds like a marriage ceremony. It's really it cute. I was going to say, it
2: sounded very ceremonial. And, uh... And then, and I was, and the whole time I, I'm giving him the look, like I, like you are a piece of garbage for doing this, um, and 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 my bosses at the board of education were like, uh, I mean, six hundred dollars isn't that bad though, like it could have been three thousand, right? And 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 I give him the money, and then immediately after he sends me a friend request on Facebook. No. <laughs> And I wanted to like respond and be like You we are not friends. Not in the slightest. And I think I saw him one more time after that in a bar and I was just like, Nah, I don't wanna I don't wanna deal with this guy. But yeah, I don't know. I the friend request
1: is so odd. Like what did he, you know what it is though? The stupid algorithms on Facebook, how it's like the more you're in contact with someone on other apps on your phone, the more that person comes up. It's weird. Yeah. That's why friend uh, But Facebook's you still to have
0: them. to click add friend.
1: This is true. Yeah. You can pass
0: it up. He definitely still had a moment of being a big old dummy <laughs> and being What like, what, do you, what do you think his motivation for sending the friend request was? Like do you maybe thought that like Olive Branch and he just was like,
2: "Hey man, we can be cool after I just snatched up your money." Um, I don't know Or uh, He wanted I'll, the other 2400 Yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah he wanted to know When I would When I'd be coming home From work next
1: Do you think people Like assumed you had More
2: money Because you were foreign Or like I think it was just A matter of They A lot of times too I was being I was being discouraged From doing any kind of Like contesting of it Because mm-hmm. they were like You're not You don't understand How things work here You know And it's like this, this this is an accurate statement i get that but but someone should not be disadvantaged by a legal system because they don't know how it works like that's the legal system is supposed to work in a particular way so as to serve the people who are who are part of that system you know like i'm not saying you should be willfully ignorant like i'm willing to learn anything that i have to but it was a lot of like oh well you know, you just don't know how to ride bicycles here in Japan or oh you you know, you don't you don't understand the customs here or whatever. And I'm like, I guess I don't. I don't know. And that was like uh you know, and, and and there were other little things like that, you know, that just happened all the time while you while you're over there. And some people I mean, not necessarily being sued, but um there are little things, you know, people are always like, Oh, you know, what's a what's America like? Do you like Japanese food? It's just like it just feels it's it's just a constant barrage and some people love it and for me it was like it was always impeding on my ability to just feel like a regular human being. Hmm. You know? But
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's interesting like that you use the term microaggressions and it's like um it's definitely something I'm familiar with as like a black woman in the US and it's it's interesting to see that like you have to go across the globe to feel as isolated as some people feel in their own backyards.
2: For sure. Yeah, and I definitely um, and that yeah, I was def- I was introduced to that term while I was living in Japan and then I'd heard it, you know, it was coming more into the discourse here in America and I was like, "Oh yeah, and I know." And then it was like a big, you know, check check your privilege type moment where I'm just like, "Yeah, I definitely did have to go across the world to feel <laughs> slightly marginalized." <laughs> I will I will go home and take out the old blessing jar and just start counting those up. Yeah.
1: It's kind of like what you're talking about with um, the legal recourse and everything that was going on with people assuming you didn't know and not wanting to either like assuming you didn't know how the law worked, yeah. and just saying like acting like it wasn't worth it to explain it. It reminds me of this book called uh, a book and a play. It's called A Lesson Before Dying, hmm. and it's set in the 1960s mm-hmm. in South Louisiana. It's have you have you read this? Yep. Watch this. I was actually in that play, but I didn't get the lead role because Brittany Kosier got it. And it's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I, I read the, I read the book because it's in Oprah's book club, not because I follow Oprah's book club, but. because there was a grade in the school where every book that we did was Oprah's, Oprah's book, book club um, yeah. for some reason right, and that was one that we did. So.
1: I saw Little Miss Sunshine because Oprah told me to and I don't regret it and <laughs> Abigail Breslin is a natural she's just a great actress um, Bre- but wait, A Lesson Before Dying is about and that's why I was connecting this is because in the story um, one of the, the main characters he um, he's a mentally challenged African American man in the 1960s and he literally just walks into a restaurant where a woman was killed and because he's there mm.
0: he's Guilty. Yep.
1: And his lawyer, who happened to be white, tells him, well, the best thing you can do is just say you're guilty because no one will ever believe you. And on the stand... His lawyer says, um, look at him, he's as dumb as a pig. He couldn't have possibly murdered this woman. And it affects him and just kind of breaks something in his brain he literally starts acting like a pig. Yeah. And so his grandmother, knowing that he's on death row and going to die, employs one of her former students who had like moved away from the South and wanted nothing to do with their bigotry to come back and teach her grandson how to die like a man. And that's why it's called A Lesson Before Dying. And yeah. it's, it's really, really good, and this is like, I just it made me think a little bit about just like people assuming they know who you are and not giving you a chance to speak up for yourself and just how infuriating that must be and For
2: sure. But, yeah. And and that yeah, that definitely happens in the American justice system all the time where people are like, "Well, take the plea deal, you'll get less." And I mean, this is, you know, you know, full full disclosure what we're talking about here is a civil suit over a Busted plastic door Uh, But You know it's true It's like It it is It's it's infuriating When people are like Say you did a thing You didn't do So that this can all be over Mm Mm-hmm and you can you know minimize the damage and it's like well why don't we just you know why don't we do some common sense here or you know in this case in in the case of other things it's like this is the truth i didn't do this thing you know here it was more up to interpretation like who's at fault cuz this guy's pulling out i'm and and again the thing that really got me is like they're like well maybe you were just going too fast on the bicycle and i'm like there's no such thing <laughs> i was like i'm not you know i'm not an olympic cyclist i'm going as fast as a regular human being goes on a bicycle um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree It's very, it's frustrating
1: <laughs> It's funny, I teach defensive driving And people's biggest complaint about Austin like, And the bicycles, they're just all over the place And I'm like, give them some slack Cut them some slack
2: Yeah, I mean, as long as as long as long a cyclist Is, you know Doing doing the right things you know, They're off to the side, share the road I'm into it, I mean, of course If you're like swerving around, doing crazy stuff um, Or if I I mean, if I see three wheels, Kai, if it's a tricycle, (laughs) get it out. Or, and then I will also extend that to any weird mechanical contraption. Like, have you seen the boards that just have the
0: one wheel in the middle? Yes. No. Uh, what is this? It's literally just like one wheel with like this weird little like platform to stand on, and it's motorized, and you stand on, and then just off the you go scooter? like one of the fucking Jetsons. It's it's absolutely it's some Mega Man shit. It's
2: it's not. It's out of a video game. I don't want it in the real world. It's. it's-
1: is that where we're at now? Where it's people are just much. flying down the sidewalk?
2: <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I guess. I guess it probably more than other contraptions gives you the illusion that you are on like a hoverboard because you probably at certain angles can't even see the wheel. See, when the first when the when the quote hoverboards came out, you know, and it was like mm-hmm. it's like the two wheel. The two, yeah. yeah. Why would you call those hoverboards? They're not hovering. They're they're just they're. I don't know, like rudderless scooters. They're just wheel planks. They're wheel planks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I, uh, I as know. someone who's been through a lot of car accidents, I, a lot a lot I definitely related to that story I've been in four in the last four years really none of them were my fault the insurance company does not believe me either like at this point
0: oh yeah you just keep getting rear-ended
1: I don't know why I don't know what it is I'm doing or putting out into the world that just says hit
0: me I yeah I don't know I can't I can't relate to the car accident stuff because I've only I was only in one car accident whenever I was very young but I can definitely relate to like Weird pressure from police, but like from the opposite side of things. Like, because whenever I was working at the mall in college, I was living in the apartment complex (gasps) at my college, and my downstairs neighbor, unbeknownst to me, had a really bad prescription painkiller addiction. Mm. And we used to hang out a lot after I would get off work, and for whatever dumbass reason, this place that I still worked at night deposits still. So he was messaging me as per normal, like, oh, do you want to, what do you want to do after work, blah, blah, blah. Because it was a Friday, I didn't have class the next day. So I was like, oh, I'm leaving work now, Like, we'll meet up at so-and-so. Mm-hmm. So then I go to the bank to drop off the night deposit, and then I have a gun on the back of my neck, and they were like, drop it. And I was like, you got it. Hmm. And they were like, get in your car and go. It's was like, I'll see you later. Hopefully not, but Bye. when you say they it was the cops no the person that was robbing me
1: oh you got oh my god Okay, yeah I got
0: robbed at gunpoint sorry I I guess that's a detail yes (laughs) no the cop didn't come around the building and tell me to drop the money and stick a gun in my neck that'd be real twist well it was an inside job so this is like it gets real dramatic my natural
1: mistrust of cops I was like so the cop put the gun to your neck I
0: (laughs) did not know that that's what was happening and then I freaked out I went uh, my cell phone was almost dead and i didn't want to make a 911 armed robbery call with an almost dead cell phone because i figured that would make people panic a little bit so since he got told me to get in my car and drive i got in drove to the nearest business that was still open and called from a landline because you know i don't want to stick around and see what they're doing yeah they just stuck a gun in my neck Yeah, yeah yeah So then the, uh, the detective gets there and he brings me back over to the place like w- like puts me in like the back of his car and he's shining his little searchlight all around and I was just like it's weird that I'm in the back of the car coming along with you <laughs> and then like we don't find anything because obviously they left and then he takes my statement in the bank parking lot where I just got robbed and I was like could we do this literally anywhere else? Oh my god. But then because they went on to commit a string of armed robberies they found out that it was my downstairs neighbor and then after all that that stuff happened i still met up with them because i was rattled and i didn't want to like just immediately go home and be by myself because i lived by myself in college so i met up with them unbeknownst to me that they robbed me so that to him your neighbor robbed you yeah and and he was still cool with you coming over to hang out and just like act like everything was okay yeah because he had a really uh, bad drug problem, yeah. unbeknownst to me.
1: I love that you just asked, so this criminal lied to your face and was still your
0: friend? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, kind of what but they, they do. do. Oh, yeah, I but just then- can't even believe it. <laughs> So, for literally a, over a year and a half afterwards, that detective investigated me. Thinking you connected. Yeah, I think thinking that was, I was involved in my own armed robbery for $434 and some change. That's
1: literally the first five minutes of Set It Off. Vivica A. Fox works at a bank, and then this dude from her neighborhood comes in and robs the bank and shoots her boss. And they're like, well, you guys live down the street from each other, so how do we know you're not connected? And she gets laid off. <gasps> Vivica. You are Vivica.
0: God. Oh America. my God! Yeah, literally, he I'll went. He went to my work while I wasn't there, and was I was working at a vitamin shop at the time. He was like, "Has he ever stolen anything and tried to sell it on the streets?" And she was like, "The only thing that's missing is ginkgo biloba and colon cleanser. So if anything, he's cleaning the streets up." <laughs> because my manager was cleaning a fucking the streets smart ass up. <laughs> you know there's a lot of wings coming through the airways yeah. right now if you know what i mean he went to my college that i was going to at the time and started investigating me in the dean's office and through admissions and all this other stuff like going around asking questions and i was yeah. in student government so then they were just like wait who's representing our school like getting all paranoid about me yeah finally then they called me at 11:45 one night 11:45 p and they were like, oh, we have somebody in holding that we need you to identify. And I was like, ah, I don't know. This sounds like a trap. Yeah. And so I called my dad, who he's like a personal injury attorney. Like, this is like criminal stuff isn't really his field. But I was just like, can you come with me? Like, cause this is weird. As soon as we get there, they throw me in an interrogation room and pull, like, separate me from my dad. And they were just Aww. like, there's some inconsistencies with your that son's story. It was a trap. It 100% was. I was like, I know a
2: trap. Like, so weird. I mean, I, and, and anything that they would have talked you into. Would have been completely false. Like, yeah, like if you like, even like, yeah, let's let's presume you know there's inconsistencies because yeah, you had some time between one, you were in a very stressful situation, so your brain does all kinds of weird things, and then two, you get in the car, you drive for a little bit, maybe you forget a detail or whatever, and it's like, uh, and then and so yeah, what if they catch you in a lie or just something that you misremembered, whatever, and then
0: it's like, great, you're in on it. Like that would have been utterly incorrect. I can tell Did you the one. bank
1: have footage of the, them putting a gun to your neck. uh
0: uh-huh. Yeah, totally and that was the inconsistency it was like your son said that the perp was wearing black pants but he was really la- wearing blue jeans and then my dad mm-hmm. just laughed in his face yeah but I was your literally your son has poor color sense yeah I was you like you said he was wearing khakis and they were jeans. I was like well I didn't see because in case you forgot the gun was in the back of my neck saw it as I was like but it was like this whole fucking thing and I was like they were on they honestly probably wouldn't have gotten shit out of me because I'm very like tame compared to how college guy was I was a much smarter mouth back then <laughs> really oh.
1: Yeah, I cannot imagine.
0: <laughs> Went on for over a year and a half, and then once they finally realized they had nothing to do with it, subpoenaed me to testify in trial against them. It's weird, yeah. I don't know,
2: and, and and I've I've never had too much interaction with the police here in America, but it's I I can only imagine they give you this. They probably give you this look when you go in there, and they're like, "Well, cost of doing business, I guess," and then it's like. Well, no. Like, I'm personally offended by the way that you've done, like, by the way that you've carried yourself throughout this whole thing,
0: you know. And that, what, that, like, that cost of doing business, like, thing is very poignant because, like, that's the whole thing is like, it was while I was telling them the story, they were just like, "Well, we didn't catch him while they was here, so I guess he's got away with it." And like, seemed like they didn't really care until that other detail started to come to light, and then they really cared, despite yeah. the fact that it was literally like, "Oh, you thought that we split four hundred and thirty bucks three ways or pull- <laughs> like a grand master forget, scale yeah for don't forget that Biloba, though that was the real that was the real get <laughs> yeah that's so crazy yeah your friend Fuck just knew that police. you'd be doing a night drop and that's he knew you were insane. target.
1: God, it god that sucks
0: yeah, yeah so that's uh
1: did that affect you in a way and like make you less trustworthy of friends you know, every, after that, yeah. like, do you think it has affected you in that yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah,
0: hundred percent. Oh shit. Because like, the the thing is, is like, all of the warning signs for that dude were hundred percent there. I just like kind of glossed over them because he was somebody who was like kind of ousted by his family and was like another gay man that I was like trying to like be friends for and like be there and like accommodate and help. And it was like one hundred percent taken advantage of. And like, he had stolen from me before, but I didn't like piece together that it was probably him until all this started to. Come together. And like, even during the course of like all the other robberies he committed, like we were still like talking, not super regularly, but like still talking occasionally because he was like maintaining the facade, I guess. I don't know. He was a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he just got re- released from prison like a couple months ago, like through Oh, months ago. man. So that's chill. That's like, that's the plot of Halloween. Yeah. Hope yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like come after yeah, you. Yeah. So if I'm dead, <laughs> play this episode. Oh my the God. Thing no, about, don't joke yeah. about that good thing about drug addicts you know they they go for the easy money he's definitely not getting in a car to come find you you know
1: yeah like I don't even think he could rent a car now
0: Greyhound on the other hand (laughs) Right. And people die on Greyhound, so that's just practice for him on the way here.
2: Yeah, it's a very peaceful place, you know.
0: <laughs> in, the, in the Egyptian culture,
2: you know, they wanted to send you on your way. What are the death how, rates,
1: like Megabus versus Greyhound? Because I was on a Megabus last week and missed recording an episode, and I was like, "This is this is probably going to be it for me." Uh, just a word to the wise: if you ever have to get on a Megabus, pay extra, pay extra for the good seats because the other seats don't recline. Uh, so I had to sit all the way upright, like holding my body forward
0: in a hmm. Megabus. But yeah, like just which, <laughs>
2: ew, like which brand is is more luxury, Greyhound or Megabus? Megabus Mega bus, I think. Okay, yeah. There was, isn't there one? Didn't uh, didn't Allison O'Connor used She's to do a, a joke about about, <laughs> about having like like some sort of like a, like luxury bus company, and it was like, <laughs>
1: shout out to like, Allison O'Connor. She's a co-star of the show Nice Girls. You can sign nice in, uh, Mister Nice Girls, and she. Uh, it's I like, don't know what charmed life she's living on where she can find a luxury bus, but I have yet to, like, that phrase yeah. doesn't even make sense. It
2: was like, their, uh, their motto is like, it's like flying without leaving the ground. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, I love that their marketing is for people with anxiety. It's yeah. like too scared to get on a bus. <laughs> yeah. But
0: yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I shared that story in the sense of like where like the police, like sometimes like, or like there's always like that person that's like willing to like give you like that, like helpful little piece of advice. Like in that one, it was like the 100% opposite. And it also honestly like kind of felt like they were like trying to help. Yeah. He's the case against him in that one a little bit. Yeah.
2: I don't know. And yeah, it, it just seems like once you get caught up in the, uh, and and uh i mean i've I've definitely had you know friends throughout throughout the years who are attorneys and they every i mean uh, they all acknowledge especially if, if they work in, in you know criminal um stuff is that like even criminal or civil but it's just like having law having legal problems is literally like the most stressful thing yeah um because you just never know what's going to happen it all takes incredibly long and all this stuff and you just don't know what's going to happen. And, and all throughout the way, you're getting these, you're getting this weird, conflicting advice. There's no consistency to it. You mm-hmm. know, if you have health problems and you have a doctor who's like, hey, we're going to check up on you. I'm going to let you know what's going on. There are some diagnostics we can do to kind of know what's going, what's happening. Or I can give you some certainty. Mm-hmm. Whereas legal problems, you go see an attorney and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we have a court date in two years. Uh, you might be going to jail for a long time or paying a lot of money or everything could be okay. Uh it's just Yeah, it's but here's some advice. Uh, get a stamped boo-boo certificate. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh,
2: and and that might make things better, but if it doesn't, then you just have a souvenir from little boo
1: Speaking of advice, so we always like to wrap up extra salty. What's something sweet? Something that our listeners can take on with I them. I know. Oh.
0: Yeah, you one of the things that you recommended is that everybody should spend time in a foreign country. So what would what advice would you give to people that are having anxiety about what whether or not to make the leap Mm. oh um well I uh keep in mind
1: you got hit by a car
0: yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um wear a helmet uh the I guess the easy thing and you know it's very it's it's, uh it's very it's trite but uh just you know just, just do it that's you know um you know there's there's a lot of programs out there uh, the program I did if anyone's interested is called the JET program the Japan English mm-hmm. teaching program um, very very popular for people who've graduated from college and maybe just don't want that job in uh, in insurance sales yet but uh, they and, and they yeah they give people all the opportunity to go live in Japan for a bit and you can see pretty much all that side of the world and you know and it's uh, not too not too difficult to fly around I would say yeah you definitely have to do it and I, I think doing doing it through the form of gainful employment um a lot there are a lot of programs in east asia for sure i think there are a lot of similar programs in central and eastern europe as well um but do your research find a thing have gainful employment like don't make it a holiday i think that's a that's a big thing otherwise you're there and you're just a tourist um or or do that too i don't know like um whatever but i do think you have to you have to do the thing that's going to force you. It's like it's like the th- in in a lot of ways in life, you know, you do the thing that's going to force you to do the thing. You sign up for an open mic and then that's going to be the reminder that you have to go do it even if you don't have 3 minutes yet. And then you go do it and maybe you die, maybe you don't, but at least you did it and that yeah. kind of puts you in a position to 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 at least try something because otherwise, you know, you know, stupid human beings are brains that want us to, you know, eat cigarettes and drink milk. <laughs> Okay,
0: I feel attacked
2: <laughs> Like we have, we have weird brains That like talk us out of doing the things That might actually make us better Somehow and so you just Have to trick yourself into doing it In some way, you yeah. know
1: Awesome, that's great advice, thank you so much And I love that callback, by the way, that was oh, solid
2: You know, that's what they call me Yeah, I, f-
0: I me feel th- th- the callback king The callback <laughs> car crash king <laughs> Is what they call me <laughs> Oh, and now with uh, having Nathan on the show, we've had everybody from uh, the Why Aren't You Screaming?
1: We have actually.
0: Oh yeah, completed that 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 trilogy.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you and
2: And now defunct. Why aren't you screaming?
1: It's
0: defunct.
2: Yeah, you know Vanessa's in L.A. now, and Michael's going to be in San Francisco soon, and so it's like you know, but uh, you know we're doing a big uh, Moon Tower reunion. No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Moon Tower was like we have to get Why Aren't You Screaming back up. No. They were not. They were like, we have to get Vanessa Gonzalez here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah That's great
1: Thanks for being a part of it How can If people want to Know more about you Follow your comedy Follow your um, Your improv things And sketches and such And acting And things of that nature How can they keep up with you?
2: So um, feel free to uh, Follow me on Twitter At Just Made by Nate There you can see My manic rantings uh, All over the place And uh, And if you follow me You'll probably hear about this But you can also hear about it On this very podcast Uh, I am in a feature film That is doing a uh, Blu-ray and Amazon download release on June 12th. The film is called Maybe Shower. It was shot right here in Austin. It's a wonderful comedy, and people seem to be enjoying it so far, including myself. I've seen (laughs) the whole film, and I have nothing bad to say about it, so that's a big plus. But that is pretty much it.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Nathan. As always, you can find Extra Salty Podcast on...
0: Extra Salty Podcast on Instagram and Extra Salty Pod on Facebook and Twitter. Yes. Yes, you can.
1: Uh, Join us. Follow the foolishness. Also, keep up with our personal accounts. You can find me at Jasmine Ellis Comedy.
0: And I'm at Kai Krebs. All right. Thank you guys so
1: much. Keep listening.
0: See you next time. Bye. International